0: Chapter eighteen of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter eighteen London from April till September, eighteen twenty two. Coast of Virginia, setting sun danger landing in america separation from fellow passengers tulloch having taken on board supplies and replaced the anchor lost at graciosa we quitted st pierre steering to the south we reached latitude thirty eight degrees calms detained us at a short distance from the coast of maryland and virginia a clear sky had succeeded the fogs of the northern regions we were not in sight of land but perceived distinctly the smell of the pine forests the daybreaks and mornings the rising and setting of the sun and the twilights and nights were magnificent i could never satisfy my desire of looking at venus whose rays enveloped me like the hairs of my suffide long ago one evening as i sat reading in the captain's cabin the bell rang for prayers i went to mingle my supplications with those of my companions the officers together with the passengers occupied the poop the chaplain book in hand stood somewhat nearer the wheel whilst the sailors crowded in groups around We stood with our faces towards the prow every sail was felled the globe of the sun just about to plunge into the waves appeared through the mist of the cordage in boundless space it might have been said that by the rolling of the poop the radiant luminary every instant changed its horizon when i drew this picture the whole of which you may see again in the genie du christianisme my religious feelings were in complete harmony with the scene but alas when i was present in person the old man was living in me it was not god alone i was contemplating on the waves in the glory of his works i saw an unknown woman and the miracles of her smile the beauties of heaven seemed to me to spring from her breath i would have sold eternity for one of her caresses i figured to myself that her heart was beating behind this veil of the universe which concealed her from my eyes oh why was it not in my power to rend this curtain to press this idealized beauty to my heart and to enjoy the fullness of an affection which constituted the source of my inspirations of my despair and of my life whilst i was giving free course to these emotions so suitable to my future career as a denizen of the woods an accident was very near putting an end to my designs and my dreams the heat was oppressive the ship in a dead calm without sails and tottering under the weight of her masts rolled excessively burnt upon the deck and fatigued by the motion i longed for a bath and though we had no boats down i threw myself from the bowsprit into the sea at first all went well and several passengers followed my example i swam without taking heed to the ship but i no sooner turned my head than i saw that the current was sweeping her far from me the sailors alarmed had thrown out lines to the other swimmers sharks showed themselves near the ship and guns were fired to drive them away the current was so strong as greatly to retard my return by exhausting my strength there was a gulf beneath me and any moment a shark might have taken off an arm or a leg the master and crew made all possible speed to let down a boat but it was necessary to fix a tackle and this consumed a great deal of time by the greatest good fortune a breeze almost imperceptible sprung up the ship answered the helm and was brought near me i was not able to lay hold of the rope but the companions of my rashness having clung to it we were dragged to the side of the ship and being at the extremity of the file they pressed upon me with all their weight in this way they hauled us up one by one which was tedious the rolling of the ship continued and at every successive roll we were plunged six or seven feet into the sea or suspended the same height in the air like fish at the end of a line at the last plunge i felt myself ready to faint one roll more and all was over they drew me upon deck half dead if i had been drowned it would have been a good relief for myself and for others two days after this incident we sighted land my heart beat when the captain showed it to me america faintly traced by the tops of some maple trees emerging as it were from the sea in the same manner the palm trees afterwards indicated to me the mouths of the nile a pilot came on board and we sailed into the chesapeake the same evening a boat was sent ashore for supplies of fresh provisions i joined the party and soon set foot on american soil casting my eyes around me i remained for some moments motionless this continent perhaps unknown through the whole duration of ancient times and many centuries of modern the first rude fortunes of the country and its second destiny since its discovery by columbus the dominion of european monarchies shaken in this new world societies finishing their career in young america a republic of a kind hitherto unknown announcing a change in the human mind the part which my own country had had in these events these seas and these shores partly indebted for their independence to the french flag and french blood a great man springing up from the midst of discord and deserts washington inhabiting a great city where penn had purchased a corner of the forests the united states sending back to france a revolution which france had maintained by her arms finally my own destinies my virgin muse which i was about to deliver over to the passion of a new nature the discoveries which i was eager to attempt in these deserts whose wide domains stretched far behind the narrow empire of foreign civilization these were the things which passed through my mind we made our way towards the house groves of virginia cedars mocking-birds and cardinals by their form note and colour gave sure proofs of a new climate the homestead which we reached in about half an hour consisted of an englishman's farm and a creole's cottage herds of european cows were pasturing on fields fenced in by rails over which striped squirrels were disporting blacks were engaged in cleaving wood and whites in cultivating tobacco a negress of about fourteen years of age of singular beauty almost without clothing like young knight opened the gate of the enclosure for us we bought some maize some fowls eggs and milk and returned to our vessel with our baskets and jars i presented my silk handkerchief to the young african my first reception in the land of liberty was given me by a slave we weighed anchor in order to make the roads and harbour of baltimore as we drew near the channel narrowed the waters became smooth and still and to all appearance we were sailing up a sluggish stream bordered with rows of trees baltimore came in view as if at the extremity of a lake opposite the city rose a woody hill at the bottom of which buildings began to spring up we made fast to the quay in the harbour i slept on board and did not go on shore till the following day i took up my quarters with my luggage at an inn the seminaries retired to the establishment prepared for them from whence they were dispersed over america what has become of francis Tullock? the following letter was put into my hands in london on the twelfth of april eighteen twenty two thirty years have now rolled away my dear viscount since the period of our voyage to baltimore and it is very possible you may have forgotten even my name. To judge, however, according to the feelings of my own heart, which has always been true and faithful to you, it is not so, and I flatter myself you will not be displeased to see me again. Living almost opposite to one another, as you will see by the place whence this letter is dated, I am but too sensible how much circumstances separate us. Intimate but the slightest wish to see me, and I will hasten to prove to you how truly I am, as I have ever been, your faithful friend and servant, Francis Tullock yes the distinguished rank you have now attained and to which you have so many and such just claims is before my mind but the agreeable recollection of the chevalier de chateaubriand is so dear to me that i cannot write to you at least for this time as an ambassador etc etc pardon the style out of regard to our former friendship thirty portland place friday april nineteenth so Tullock is in london he has not become a priest and is married his romance is finished like my own this letter bears testimony to the truth of my memoirs and the faithfulness of my recollections who could have borne witness to an alliance and friendship of thirty years standing had not the contracting parties been alive and what a melancholy and retrograde perspective does this letter unroll in the year eighteen twenty two tollock was in the same city nay in the same street with myself the door of his house almost opposite to mine just as we had met in the same ship on the same deck and occupied cabins just opposite to each other how many other friends shall i never meet again a man every evening on retiring to rest may count his losses it is only his own years which do not leave him although they continue to pass when he reviews them and calls them by name they answer present not one is wanting on the roll chapter